I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is You Can't Make This Up. You Can't Make This Up is the podcast where we uncover the true stories behind your favorite Netflix documentaries and films. On today's episode, we take a closer look at season six of the Netflix series, Love is Blind. I I just feel like my worst fear is like, we fall in love, we have this beautiful connection. It's like, you know, we do the reveal and it's like, oh, wow. Like, we never really talked about physical. And like, that is important to me. Like, love is blind. Like, I get it. Trust me. I get it. I just want to have that reveal door and, like, you know, be super turned on by my wife, you know? In what way do you want to talk about appearance in an experiment where we're not talking about appearance? I just have to be attracted to you. The hit reality series is back following a new set of singles from Charlotte, North Carolina, all ready to cut through the static of modern dating and forge authentic relationships sight unseen. In Love is Blind, the singles form deep and immediate connections, setting the stage for an unexpected journey full of twists, turns, and shocking revelations that will test each relationship well after the participants leave the pods for the real world. This episode will turn things over to our friends on the podcast now on Netflix. Host Jessica Shaw and Henry Goldblatt chat with Tudum.com's Cole Delbick and Natalie Morin about season six and whether love truly is blind. Welcome to Now on Netflix, your guide to the shows and movies that everyone is going to be talking about this week. I'm Jessica Shaw, and I say that every week on the podcast, and yet this week feels super special because the show we will be talking about is Love is Blind, season six. The first six episodes are out now. There is a lot to unpack Henry Goldblatt, executive editor of Tudum.com, by my side, as always. Are you as obsessed with this show as I am, Henry? Jessica, I'm obsessed with this show. I'm obsessed with you. If there were pods 20 years ago, I would have said yes. Oh my gosh, likewise. And you know who else would have said yes? Our two guests today, Tudum.com writers Cole Delbick and Natalie Morin, who have covered Love is Blind like nobody's business. Never been more jealous of a job in my life. Welcome, Cole and Natalie. Thank you. I'm ready to form a polycule right here and now. Ooh, polycule. (laughs) Yeah, I love square. Cole, for the uninitiated, give us the breakdown of what happens on the show. So Love is Blind is all about finding love sight unseen. Every season, 15 men and women enter the pods to pursue a non-traditional form of dating where they get to know each other through a glowing blue wall. If they make connections, they get engaged, and then they jet off to a beach locale where they will test if their physical connection can rival their emotional one. And then in just a couple weeks, they make it to the altar where they will truly be able to determine whether love is blind. And Natalie, the first six episodes that are out now are all those early episodes that Cole was referring to, this kind of like dating back and forth, getting to know each other. When you were watching those first six, were there specific people that really jumped out at you like, oh, this person is definitely finding love or this person like may as well turn around and go home? Yeah, definitely. I loved this season and especially like 
these first couple episodes in the pods of people getting to know each other because we had so many very strong personalities. All of these singles this season come from Charlotte, North Carolina, and they're all very opinionated. They all are funny and kind of quirky in their own way. I particularly liked two women, AD, Amber, she goes by AD, and Jessica. They're both like extremely clear about who they are and what they're looking for. And they teach the men that they're dating how they should be treated, which is very cool. And it's so nice to have a single mom, Jess, looking for love on the show. So I was definitely rooting for them. Jessica, on the flip side, there were a couple of men that stood out to me in not the best way. The first one was Matthew, who literally ghosted two people on their pod dates, like just full on walked out and left that person talking across the pod and not knowing what was going on. And that was really rude and insane. And Trevor stood out to me. Trevor is a big, muscly guy. Poor, poor Trevor is judged by his muscles all the time. And nobody can see his soft heart underneath his huge pecs and biceps. And that's his cross to bear and has very, very difficult time with it. I have to tell you, I love Trevor. I was like, I want you to find love. He's just a mushball. His heart is just a marshmallow. All he wants is to find love. And he initially has kind of a connection with this woman, Chelsea. And I don't know how many minutes we're into the podcast, like even 30 seconds. And that means it's 30 seconds too long that we've gone without talking about Chelsea, because can someone explain Chelsea to me? I'll take a crack at it. So Chelsea is a flight attendant slash entrepreneur, and she enters in the pods with sort of a lot of relationship baggage. She got married when she was pretty young, and they split, although they remain friends. And she's never sort of found success when it comes to love. But in the pods, she's torn between two guys, Jimmy and Trevor. And the first six episodes, you really see how this love triangle and then love square forms when Jimmy also develops a really strong connection with Jess. And as we know well, mess ensues and it only gets better and better in the next batch of episodes. Natalie, do you want to take the Megan Fox question? I guess so. Yes. So there is a very clear rule on Love is Blind. The whole point is that you're supposed to fall in love or at least build a connection with people sight unseen. So you're not supposed to talk about what you look like. Nothing should be revealed. That's the whole beauty of the experiment. So when people do say something about themselves, it kind of catches you off guard. Maybe somebody will talk about their race because that has to do a lot with how they see the world. Things like that can slip. But Chelsea has a moment in which she tells Jimmy that she has been compared to Megan Fox. Yes, the Megan Fox. She tells him that she basically has been told many times that she looks like Megan Fox. And then she kind of couches it. Well, I have dark hair and and green eyes. I have light eyes. So that's why. But bold move to say that to somebody. And you got to respect it. Yeah. And by the way, I say this not to shame her on any level. She is a beautiful woman. And yet it's a tough comparison to put out there, but it kind of raises that interesting question. And you referenced that, Natalie, of the etiquette of saying what you look like, because she's not the only one who does it. I mean, that causes problems with A.D. on one of her dates with Clay. Yeah, Clay is really, really curious about physical appearance, and that sort of seems like it's the top of his list when it comes to finding love. And she 
sort of recoils when he asks specifics because that's the exact opposite of what the experiment is about. And they're able to move through it, but that topic continues to rear its head throughout their relationship. So it's an interesting one to watch. Question for the group. There's a celebrity that I've been compared to a couple times that in going to a dating situation, I would never say I look like Celebrity X. And as you all say, Chelsea's a beautiful woman. She can stand on her own, right? So in the pods, what would you do? Would you use that touch point? Would you try to lead with something else? I would literally lead with anything but that. But Henry, who are you compared to? Okay, this is a funny story. I've been to Portland, Oregon once. And within the first hour and a half of being in Portland, no lie, I swear over whatever you want me to swear over. Somebody either said I looked like Colin Farrell or one person asked me if I was Colin Farrell three times within the first hour and a half. I don't think I look anything like Colin Farrell. And listen, I embrace the comparison, but I wouldn't start going into the pods spouting off like, look at me, I'm Colin Farrell. I wouldn't have said that before, though. Now that you're saying it, I'm like, yes, smart people in Oregon. Obviously, I'm moving to Portland. You know what I think is the better bit? I think a better bit in the pods is convincing someone that you are Megan Fox or that you are Colin Farrell and were put into the experiment. Natalie, Netflix does have a reality show like that, and it's called The Circle. When the three of you are watching this show, do you think, oh, these people can actually find love? Or do you think there's no way this is going to end well? This season in particular, I think they can find love. And I just feel like for people who maybe have fallen off Love is Blind a little bit or sort of questioned the central conceit, like this is the moment to jump back in because we're exiting these first six episodes with five rootable couples that are going to go on very sort of authentic and challenging journeys. And I think Love is Mine is unlike so many other shows because it starts with that really pure, genuine emotional connection. Tell us about the coverage that you have been doing, because there's a bunch of stuff up on todoom.com where everyone can check out Natalie and Cole's stories. But how did you choose to cover this? And did you meet the contestants? Did you interview them all? Well, we have a comprehensive cast guide currently up on Todoom where you can figure out where to thirst or cringe follow all the singles this season. And within that cast guide, there are exclusive interview bites with each of the singles this season about their icks, their deal breakers, their personal dating history everything else that you might not have seen on the show. And throughout the season, we're going to be updating that cast guide as the couples move from the pods to the Dominican Republic and then back to real life in Charlotte. Cole and Natalie, did you two kind of duke it out about, I definitely need to be interviewing this one or like you absolutely got to take this one for the team? And Henry, how are you the judge? Yes, Natalie and I mud wrestled to determine who would get to interview Trevor. No. (laughs) (laughs) Cole is the writer on this and I'm in more of an editor position. So Cole is the one that I send on the ground. He's the one who really gets the scoop and talks to people. And he's a real love is blind contestant whisperer at this point. They really tend to open up to him. He's already talked to a couple of the people who appear on the show this season and uh, we're going to talk to more throughout the season because we'll do a final piece where we kind of check up with everybody to see how they're doing if they're in a relationship if they're not in a relationship if they went to the altar if they didn't go to the altar so get excited for that yeah it's really like part interview part therapy session So we are all students of reality TV. Like I'd say that all four of us have PhDs in reality relationship shows. And something that still strikes me about Love is Blind versus, say, The Bachelor and Love Island and all those other shows that we also enjoy is love bombs and marriage bombs are dropped so quickly on this show as opposed to some of these other ones. Like I can't imagine a Bachelorette contestant, for example, in episode two, starting to quote unquote joke about marriage or say that they love someone in the same way that they do on Love is Blind. And I was wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah, as I was watching, I definitely felt like things got intense very quickly. Yeah, I mean, we see it with Amy and Johnny early on. They're the first couple to 
say the L word or the first couple to get engaged. And I think it is about that sort of sensory deprivation. Everything else is stripped away in this experiment. You know, in The Bachelor, you're drinking, you're schmoozing, you're doing the first date impression rose type of situation. And this is just one-on-one conversations. And I think there's really nothing like it. When talking to the contestants, they are also surprised about how quickly they fall in love too. That's kind of what I liked about this season and what made it a little bit different from others is that I personally like when they spend more time in the pods. Well, it's the same amount of time they usually do, but we spend more time watching them in the pods. And to me, that's where the real base of the experiment happens and the magic of it. And over time, the tension between what happens in the pods and what happens in the lounges between the men and the women has been really interesting because when they're with other people in the lounge, like that's kind of where the other sprinkles of drama and tension and challenge come from. So I really liked being able to see those things all in conversation and adding a little bit of twists and turns to the story. How does this season for you compare to previous ones? I really do think that this season really focuses on both the beauty of the experiment, because a lot of people do end up getting together and making deep connections with a few different people, but also the real life difficulties of dating people in a very limited time and a very specific environment, getting to know people really quick, and then having to come face to face when you go back into the lounges with other people who've had connections. And so I think really like the human element of this season, the stakes are just so much higher because people are really finding connections and really putting their all into this experiment. Have you uncovered where the rings come from and who is preparing the in-pod meals that they eat on their dates? Like sometimes it's a salad. Sometimes it's sushi. And if there is a proposal, there are rings involved. These are not like put 25 cents in the gumball machine rings. Well, on Doom.com, we have all the answers. We actually have a really great tour of the pods led by Nick and Vanessa Lachey, the co-hosts, and they take you through those sacred four walls and what goes into preparing the pods and the different demands for various couples. And then we also have interviewed a production designer who gets into all the nitty gritty. And then we also have talked about the weddings and the rings. And so there's a whole whole sort of show that you do not see about the lengths this one wedding planner goes to design four or five weddings each season. And she is a masterful wedding planner. And so it's all on Tudun.com. In terms of the rings, the men get to choose from a few rings that are presented to them. So that's another challenge that they have, is that without seeing their fiance, just by talking to them and getting a sense of who they are, they have to choose the ring on their own that they think will best suit their future betrothed. Natalie, as we know, Love is Blind is a blockbuster hit in the U.S., but there are other versions around the world. And this year, Love is Blind is going across the pond. Tell us about that. Yes, very exciting news, especially for those who love dating and relationship shows set in the UK. Love is Blind UK is coming across the pond quite soon, and it'll have the very similar format to this one. People from all over the UK will be participating, and I'm really excited about it, especially since there are so many cultural differences, as we've seen in so many of these different iterations of Love is Blind. Love is Blind Sweden, Love is Blind Japan, Love is Blind Brazil. They're very specific to the culture of that place, so it'll be really interesting to see what kinds of challenges arise in the UK that we don't quite see here. Like something I'm really interested in is that in the UK, a lot of people infer a lot of things from others by their accent. So if you have a posh accent, if you have a Leeds accent, if you have a Liverpool accent. So despite not being able to see 
the other person. I'm really interested to see how that informs how people relate to each other. Question for everyone. When you finish a season, do you follow every single contestant on social media and try and find everything about them and just see where they're at even months and months after this series has finished filming? Or are you like, okay, I finished watching the season. I'm moving on to something else. I will be following Tiffany and Brett until I die. Like, that is my one true pairing. I love them so much. I will follow them anywhere. I think it depends. Like, AD this season, for example, my rom-com heroine of all time now. And I want to follow her in the experiment, out of the experiment. I'm here for the long haul. Jessica, I'm the same as Cole. I'll follow a handful of them from each season. Like, I will definitely follow Trevor for his workout tips, I guess. And AD, perhaps, as well. But, like, I choose two or three, and I do deep dives, of course. I understand. I feel like you guys, Cole and Henry, I think I will definitely be following AD. I agree with you. She is such a breakout for me. I root for her so much. I'm also very intrigued by Matthew, not because I root for him, because I'm not sure that I root for him and he doesn't do himself favors, but I am curious to see where his life leads him. I was rooting for him in AD. I love this sort of opposites attract city girl country mouse vibe. And, you know, maybe that says something about me that I was all in on Matthew. But listen, a lot of twists and turns. So the first six episodes are out now and new episodes every Wednesday. But Natalie, can you set up for us where we are at this point? Six episodes have aired. People have been proposed to. People have accepted proposals and also rejected proposals. And we've all gotten together in the Dominican Republic where these couples try to test whether their physical connection is as strong as their emotional one. A few couples already have shown a few cracks in their relationship now that the real world has kind of gotten in the way. And they haven't even gone home to Charlotte yet. But some of the couples are really going strong. And so at the end of these episodes, they're ready to go to Charlotte back to their real lives, back to their families. And we're waiting to see whether some of these people will be seeing each other at the altar or if they're going to break up before they get the chance. Well, I absolutely cannot wait. And all the coverage of season six, Love is Blind, is on Tudum.com now. Cole Delbeck's A-plus work, Natalie Morin's A-plus editing, and of course, Henry Goldblatt, A-plus editing as well. You can see all the Love is Blind season six coverage on Tudum.com. Cole Delbeck, Natalie Morin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Grab your EpiPen. Starting this Friday and for the next four weeks, our sister podcast, We Have the Receipts, will be covering all things Love is Blind with a special guest from the show. Next week, we'll be previewing Avatar The Last Airbender. New episodes of Now on Netflix are released every Thursday. We'll see you next week.